Hey bro. Hey bro. <sighs> Can I keep chanting? It's just calming my nerves. melted my hard heart <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. okay are we starting mm-hmm. it's perfect because i'm gonna talk about yakabir as the name of god today oh i love that so i just did a tarot pull and a cowrie shell thing can i actually share the tarot mm-hmm. what i pulled it was like what do we need to know right now until the next full moon Mm. and the current state (laughs) at its present was confusion Mm -hmm. and it had it's a gemini woman who's riddled with chaos and painful indecision who's mentally torn (laughs) (laughs) does it literally say gemini Jupiter and Gemini woman, she is two or several Whoa. minds mentally torn, desperately trying to get a grip. Um, it says, have deep trust in life's processes when it is time to make a decision that the way will be shown to you. And the course of action was sacred fire, which is white buffalo calf woman, the Native American holy woman who teaches uh, honoring of Mother Earth. And the honoring of all life through sacred ritual. Mm. She personifies the joy of desire for everything holy. She teaches care of the earth through discipline, ritual, and responsibility. And she brings the fire of spirit to you through strength and courage um, so that you can align with your essence. The future result was courage. And I've never Mm. gotten that one before. It's a fire card. And it's this person this woman leaning by a lion (laughs) this has to do with what i'm talking about today it's so funny well was there something before she's unafraid of the lion um just that she's facing her fear Mm. call it calling and courage that's what i'm talking about today wow so this is a divination about like what this lunar period is about and today is the first day of gemini as we're recording this The day before my birthday and the new moon in Gemini Aww. and Venus is in retrograde in Gemini and Mercury is also in Gemini at the moment. So it is a <laughs> veritable shit show for everyone, but especially those of us with lots of planets in Gemini. <laughs> and the cowrie shell divination was about the podcast and what do we need to know? Do you want to talk about your cowrie shell divination gift? It was revealed to me in a dream that I needed to start using these tools and our friend and plant teacher Layla of River Rose Remembrance has mentioned cowrie shells before and I 
And the ancestors were like, we're going to just teach you how to use them. And I was just given these very clear instructions about how to use them. And Leila had told me before that in the Arabian Gulf and the desert where our father's side of the family were migrated from to Syria, this is a divination practice called Ilm al-Ramal, Science of the Sand. And it has, it's very like, uh, it's something you study for years and years. Yeah, but our my ancestors were like, no time. <laughs> and so they gave me some rules and some, some basic know-hows, and it's pretty much illuminated itself and become this, you know, throne of the bones, this way that I feel I can deeply hear the ancestors and very specific ways. Okay, so what did they say? So, so I threw like shells and they made a perfect circle like I have never seen before around two little shells. And it, it's <laughs> a circle of feminine energy around us that is spiraling out into the world. And it, it just, it makes me mm. feel so grateful because I had no idea how beautifully it was going to be received and I'm just so grateful for all of these listeners and all the reception and all the ways people have responded it was like unlike anything I imagined and that showed up very clear here and I keep thinking about the beauty of our sound molecules Mm. literally compressing and refracting and traveling through waves through and to each other and like Gitanjali our teacher said sound is a a wave in the universe that never begins and never ends. So like mm. when we share this stuff, it, it just has this beautiful community of love. They really want us to know, to not be afraid to explore, to receive new ideas openly. There's two women in the middle of this circle who balance mm. each other perfectly. And they're coming from a seed. Mm. And there's three little, a triangle of three little ancestors who are, feminine ancestors supporting Mm. them and the circle is all feminine there's one masculine and yeah the seed that it comes from is masculine too and they're moved the two women in the center are shooting upward into this circle so there's a circle two balanced women in the center facing up and they're coming from a seed Mm. beautiful they just want us to stay true to ourselves and and to not be afraid to explore. It's going, they said, it's going to open new pathways for you of thinking and being. And it's, it might be scary. And yeah, there might be some resistance, but you need to be able to receive those ideas openly. Hmm. I'm really like feeling buoyed and like nourished by that reading because I feel like right now I've been just sort of barraged by interpersonal conflicts of all kinds and I think that a lot of people have because we're in this pressure cooker of shelters in in place and different versions of quarantine where you may be in close quarters with people who you love and don't love (laughs) I'm 
really fortunate to be with people whom I love and it's still been really challenging and even in the like even in the mm. relationships that are the closest to me maybe even especially like with you it's still like conflict and fear and the stuff that comes up is still really hard and what I my big insight today which is why I wanted to force myself to record this even though I was like feeling really avoidant and contracty as we were having challenging conversations mm. about the podcast is that like we can only grow to the extent that we turn towards our unhealed wounds and tend to them and like mm. that requires patience and that requires love and that requires like a, a tremendous amount of courage part of what I wanted to talk about today um is like the conflict that you and I have been navigating and first of all like the reason we run away from conflict is because it makes you feel like your heart is in a trash compactor it's like the worst feeling mm -hmm. in the entire world and there are a million reasons why no one wants to stay in that place like it brings up all of your biggest wounds and needs and the possibility that they will be seen and still not met by the other person and so mm. I felt really grateful to you when after the first recording that we did together you reached out to me and you were like sis I know that like it it may not even actually be reflected in the podcast itself but I felt like you know you <laughs> overshadowed me a little bit or, or were um, not allowing my voice to take up all of the space that I wanted to take up and correct me if I'm wrong in the sort of like essence of the conversation but um is that how is that sort of the gist of like what you were bringing up to me afterwards yeah yeah and I think yeah it's so much of it is the context of like you know who we are and our families and yeah how they literally had to leave their homes because of oh speaking gosh. yeah bringing all these in the things. intergenerational pieces of why we <laughs> have these wounds like they they're layers and layers so okay you came to me and you said that and I was like immediately like <laughs> god <laughs> Like, it too, like, someone oh. else in my life is popping off at me about something that is not even really fair. <laughs> because, and, like, because I, like many other people, are navigating other people's deep core needs around safety and, like, precautions around this quarantine that, and they impact my body in this big way. And I'm feeling like I'm having to navigate and mediate and also advocate at the same time in, like, really time-sensitive, fraught, context with a lot of fear up in the air and so I'm like exhausted <laughs> in the relational mm. realm but I was like and then it's like god this thing that was supposed to be fun is now like the site of like you know like tension and so the thing that I always have to remember that sometimes is hard to access but it's very deep in the back of my mind is like there is nothing bad happening when conflict mm. happens this is not bad like in fact this is what's going to help us deepen and grow and clarify and like, like learn more, um, mm -hmm. get bigger. Like if we ignore our shadows and needs, we don't have a chance to heal them. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, sis, I'm feeling really contracted and defensive. And I said some contracted and defensive things to you. Um, and then I noticed that I was being contracted and defensive and I was like, I need you to just like, tell me the core feeling that comes up for you when you feel like I'm overshadowing you 
because that will help me melt through my defensiveness and contraction. Um, Mm. And you, you know, at first you did like kind of a Gemini intellectualizing thing. (laughs) You're like, well, one might say that as one, you know, as a, in the context of within which we are operating, you know, and I was like, okay, but what does it make you feel? (laughs) And you were like, it's so sad. Like, I feel so sad and hurt. And I could just like feel you in your, in your tenderness. And it was like this younger version of you and what it ended up long story short blossoming between us was like a deeper family dynamic um, where I as the older sister completely obliviously like trampled your sweet tender experience in so many ways and it was you know like and you were so kind and gracious about like understanding that it wasn't anyone's fault and that in some ways like because we weren't getting the amount of parental attention we wanted our relationship was like like almost like our source of parental affection came from each other and attention Mm. um shout out to mom she was she did an amazing job she was also facing lots of challenges (laughs) but um and so what blossomed was just like an opportunity for you to share what it was like for me to grow up and leave you behind you know and like how hard and sad it was and how when I do small things like correct you or say like that's not how it went or you know like take up like give you feedback that you don't really ask that you didn't ask for it can bring up that that place of like when you were little and I slammed the door in your face and I had no idea how much like you looked up to me and how much you wanted to be accepted and loved by me. And I didn't know how to show you that when I was being like a broody teen angsty teenager going through all the shit I was going through. Yeah. And so we were able to just like both get to that tender place together and it took facing the really contracted tight, like, like get me out Mm -hmm. of here like every flight instinct I had like I'm gonna be real I'm making a confession like I have been craigslisting cottages in the woods where I can go (laughs) and escape to um because of my roommate conflict because that's like my my instinct is just like uncomfortable painful Mm. get out (laughs) but like when we you and me had the courage to turn towards it and invoke just enough of like trust in something bigger to hold it Mm. which is what I was doing energetically there like it revealed this beautiful tender gem of like your love for me and my deep love for you and we just like cried and cried and cried Mm. and like sent past us so much love from each other and helped each other and our other sibling and you know our parents too in our adult love and compassion and understanding. Um, that said, we still have like, you know, like more of that stuff to like, it's not like the first time you do that, it like resolves it forever. So this morning we were also sort of like bumping up against some of our, each of our own wounding around like your very clear need to be seen and heard and understood and respected in your full voice. And my like similar need and how it sort of like sometimes given that bigger context of our like sibling order and our intergenerational family displacement trauma from like raising our voices against, a re- you know, dictatorial regime, like will come up as like there's a scarcity of room mm. for each of our voices to coexist 
and be as loud and big and beautiful as they want to be. And so the divine name that I, Bibliomancy, opened up to today in my Physicians of the Heart book um, about the 99 names of God was Al-Kabir, mm. Allahu Akbar. Um, and how that name for me is like one of the biggest like essences of spiritual practice and um, insight that I've come across in my own healing journey which is that like there is always something greater mm. and Allahu Akbar and to me and the reason that Allahu Akbar is like such a you know it's such an integrated woven part of the five daily prayers you say it in the call to prayer you say it in between every single prostration and move like the the postures or asanas of the prayer itself is that it's like one of the biggest reminders that we need that there is like whether or not you believe in God with a capital G there is something greater vaster bigger Mm -hmm. within which all experience can be held there's something even bigger than the universe even bigger than the multiverse even bigger and older than the big bang even and like even smaller and tinier than the smallest unit of measurement there is always 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 space beyond our knowing there's always more love than we can even like conceive of there's always more power always more creativity always like enough always practice for myself right now is to find that spaciousness whether it's through chanting al-kabir or ya kabir or allahu akbar or just prostration um practice or being in nature like i've been going out to this big wide open gorgeous hilltop park um in the bay area where i just get to be under a vast sky and remember allahu akbar Mm. allahu akbar Allahu Akbar. And that helps me have the courage to face the contracted heart that feels controlled and small mm. and like there's no way out of this. Mm. Side note, it's only recently as I've been doing this that like new paths in this park have revealed themselves to me. Like I always take the same path, <laughs> like the same hiking trail. And I never even like knew there were other side <laughs> ones. And over the last week, I went down three new side trails and found three <laughs> labyrinths, like, lab- like witchy ass Celtic labyrinths what? where I, like a bunch of Bay Area witches gather, I imagine. <laughs> and it's like some metaphor for like when you're when you allow that sense of possibility Mm -hmm. like so much is revealed to you so much more capacity is available even like the the walking the pathway of a labyrinth has so many lessons in terms of the like seeming contractedness as you get in as you wind up in the spiral but then you end up like actually on the outside somehow (laughs) and you're like oh so Mm. um that that's just my latest transmish. 
that I wanted to share <laughs> and um, just feel grateful for you, sis, for the, you know, like the combination of like patience and grace and saying what you need to say that you've been giving me the chance to meet you in. And I know it's still hard and we're still going to have challenges, but I'm so glad to have you as a um, person that I can deepen with in this way. I'm so grateful for you, sis. You're so skilled at navigating these things, too. I've seen you mediate and, and help people process and push through these things. And I'm so glad because it starts at home. It starts with us. And we're doing that work. And it spirals out, like the ancestors were saying. I want people to, like, write in. Do we have, like, an email address? Write in to Syrian <laughs> Sis. We will by the time this comes out. Syrian <laughs> Sistars, spelled S-I-S-T-A-R-S, at gmail.com. And send us your stories of um, corn conflicts mm. and successes and failures. Please, I need them for myself. And maybe we'll read some next time if we get any. Yeah, I would love to hear that because that keeps popping up in my life and the lives of people around me you know maybe it's a venus and retrograde thing but i'm really starting to realize there's so much that i'll just keep in and i'll assume that i don't need to say it because it's you know i don't want to contribute to conflict and it's almost it's almost an automatic response so as i was meditating this morning i realized my conflict style used to be like i didn't ever really play video games as a kid but i did have a game boy that like a sweetie gave me and it had the game Kirby on it <laughs> Kirby is this little guy that like he's a little blob and he swallows everyone in his path mm. and then he spits them back out as ammunition <laughs> and I can like and the thing is for me I have a great capacity to feel feelings really really big feelings and that helps me be able to navigate conflict but also I can to my detriment just swallow 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 hold it in feel like self-soothe to an like to Pluto and back and then never, never like address it, but then it will just shoot out of me sometimes. Mm. And you've seen that happen. Mm. <laughs> and it's just like, it, it lodges itself somewhere. Like you cannot avoid discomfort and conflict. It lodges itself somewhere in your psyche in your dreams in your shadows. And if you ignore it, it festers and it'll come out like, with interest and way worse so be brave turn towards it tend the underlying needs and the hurt places and see if you can build like be vulnerable and share and build trust with the other person and you may not and that may be the natural ending of relationships that needs to happen and you may need to move to a cottage in the woods <laughs> I see like the us of Ikea. We all tripping. Words that remind me like reputation. Fuck the circle. Fuck simulations. Borderless nations. Border the plane. Roll through radio stations. Ain't no game that I'm playing. I'm birthed with it. Rebirth like shit. We are the daughters of this vibe. Our fathers are infinite highs. Living road nine. Me and my homies. Round 21. I want to talk about, um, well, this goes uh, into kind of the context for speaking and the power of those scary transformations the ways that we can transform and shift the power. I always think about like, so when I was 16, I made this one and a half minute YouTube video, just 
really simple saying like I'm a Syrian girl and my family had to flee because of the dictatorship and it went viral in a way that I never expected and the Syrian government ended up playing it on TV and calling me a terrorist and and then my mom who's an activist uh she was like there's a revolution starting let's go to the border let's support the first wave of people who are displaced it's our obligation and um and then we found out to make a long story short there were people dispatched in the town muhabarat um, or regime Assad regime agents uh and smugglers who were sent to kidnap the video girl who was me and my mom because she's an activist and it was for 50 million syrian lira and which is like 1 million us dollars and i used to always I kind of repressed that story for like years and years because because a it's not that unusual for Syrians like there's actually a lot more unusual <laughs> stories than that and um I was scared too I was scared and kind of terrified that my voice could reverberate from my living room in the south all the way to the other side of the world and and they have done so many things to us like the regime and and other systems of power the Zionists, I mean, in the U.S., they murder our friends and, you know, put our cousins into prisons. Bashir, Walid, Abdullah, Abdul Wahab, Hassan, Umtare, Abu Hassan. Those are just a few who have been forcibly disappeared for no reason because the system is afraid of organizing. And the revolution started in Syria in 2011 because these 9 to 14-year-old kids in their school were graffitiing slogans of freedom that they heard, you know, from the Arab Spring. And the emperor is afraid of them, these little Jedis, these sweet little Jedis who are leading the way. And that's what I realized this week. I was afraid this whole time. I thought that the system that was murdering people and gassing them with chemical weapons and bombing them, I thought they were the ones to be afraid of, but they're actually afraid of us. Why would they be so scared of a 16-year-old girl with a one-and-a-half-minute video to where they would expend that sheer amount of resources to go and find her and stop her and send 12 men around this city to track them down and coordinate and do all those things. Why would anyone go to such lengths? Why would they go to my friend's house, to her apartment and stalk her, my friend Hala, and kill them in that way just because she's a journalist and a young woman? Like, It's like this art project that you made, sis, in college um, called Leila and the Wolf. And on it, it was a poster and you had, you put that the wolf's use of violence reveals the total instability of his power. Uh, and there's a lot of people who have this, like, make Syria great again, like these apolitical kind of <laughs> people that we know that they say the revolution ruined Syria. If it was the revolution's fault and Syria, it's kind of like, yeah, well, for for people like us, like our dad's family who were farmers, Falah, peasant people, for working class people, for for. Kurdish people, for so many people, Syria was never great. It was always a state of, you know, like our family describes, it's like an abusive relationship with your homeland where you love it so much, but it doesn't want to see you, you know, it wants to, it's making you suffer. And so it's, 
it's funny because we we keep getting told that we failed the revolution failed and you know but it's like the revolution has won because it has just now begun it has just now sparked a series of spiraling effects where 13 million people are just like us who are have witnessed these violations of human rights on a massive scale and still resist and still find ways to speak themselves. So I have this goddess story I just wanted mm-hmm. to share. The story of Sekhmet. Sekhmet is an Egyptian goddess whose name means violence and power. And quick note on why goddess cosmologies. Um, I think it's so interesting, like, cosmologies from the Middle East have been around, like, worship of Astart, for example, a.k.a. Ishtar, who is a goddess of war and love. It's been around um, near Byblos, this lake in Africa, since 9000 BC. And it stopped in 300 AD when Constantine, like the emperor Constantine, was like, stop being pagan, <laughs> issued an order. But that's, that's uh, 11,000 years. Like our Abrahamic religions have only been around around 2000 to 3000 or so years. And certain strands of extremism ruined the goddess stuff but we have the same thing with abrahamic religions like imagine 9000 years from now people talk about like jesus or muhammad like it was just this myth or this hymn called the torah and that we did these ritual prayers too like these were actually major they're the way we talk about goddess stuff is like you know, it's some cult thing, but this is actually the major ways of being in the world that, again, were also abused and and they were absorbed into the religions, too, which is so funny because these stories, these pagan rituals, even though the religions come to correct them, the entire world is building off of our swana goddess cosmologies and stories and the indigenous Assyrian context which have been genocided and erased so it's kind of funny because no one really recognizes us as like syrians and palestinians and like who we are now but like especially growing up in the south it would be like they have no idea they'd be like serial you're from serial and yet they're like in a town called palestine texas and they're like studying jesus (laughs) like you know like our context our literal context and they have the gall to be islamophobic when they're using our cosmologies to basically run the world right now so that being said it's not just some random goddess story i believe they've been distorted and corrupted and misheard and the same way the religions have and that's why throughout time different people come to sort that out and try to communicate truth in essence and it's open-ended i i often go back and Mm. write short stories with my version of the goddess story you know and kind of play with that so sahmet Sahmet is this lion goddess, and Esed in Arabic means lion, by the way. Um, her name literally means violence and power, and she is the protector on the battlefield. She also rules over menstruation. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so there's the story that Sahmet, the lion headed goddess with this cobra scepter, she decided to kind of dedicate herself to spreading disease viruses epidemics all across egypt and she drank the blood um, of her victims her father was Ra, the sun god um when she destroyed her environments she would then offer herself as the protector on the battlefield so it's kind of this like uh abusive relationship it's like when the americans invade iraq and then they 
they offer themselves, they come back and they're like, oh, well, we have an NGO for you or we'll be your lawyer. It's like, really, guys, <laughs> it almost feels like you're um, enjoying this in some sick way. So Ra, her father, um, knows that she loves human blood. So he, he tricks her and he decides to make this pomegranate juice and pour it into the Nile and flood the Nile, which happens once a year due to its sediment. And it turns red, you know, in the ancient times. So she mm. um, drinks the blood <laughs> and she falls asleep. And when she wakes up, she has transformed into a noble goddess named Bastet. And upon awakening, she notices all the damage she's caused and she dedicates herself to the transformation of her power. And and this mm. could be seen like a sort of, uh, I don't know, like interpretation could be like, oh, great. So her patriarch comes and basically makes her this docile thing. But I don't think it's like that. The, what comes to me from this, and it is open to interpretation, is Ra is more like the divine masculine, like the kick the spark mm. for transformation, the, the, the father figure, if patriarchy was not an issue, the father that actually pushes you to and encourages you to like be self-reflective and is protective of you in a way that is in service of your healing. I think that's the role that he plays. Mm. And I think about this because I've had visions of Syria often where power transforms in a way that no one expects. And the Esed, this lion, this ruthless whatever, ends up becoming more docile. Mm. And then there's this future that we have to reckon with. And right now, there's this drama going on within their family. Syria is running this mafia-like rule where one family and their cousins, um, you know, control different branches of the military, of uh, defense, of the economy. So the president's cousin, Rami Makhlouf, owns about 60% of the Syrian economy through this major phone company called Syriatel. And these past couple weeks, his cousin has been posting these Facebook videos, um, basically saying, after all I've done for you, man, you're going to make me pay taxes? Like, after all, and he lists some of the things he helped him do, like, after all the mukhabarat to the regime agents that I dispatched for you, after all these crimes against humanity... So this man is basically getting on public television on the internet and broadcasting his collusion with crimes against humanity. So different international uh, groups like the Guernica 37 have basically said, um, well, you incriminated yourself and you guys are basically imploding right now. Like there's this slippage of power that's happening that no one really expected. But I think that's the thing. They are not built any system of violence is not built on stability and it's not meant to last. And if they are so mm. afraid of a 16-year-old or a 9-year-old, <laughs> you know, that they they try so hard to, to dispatch all of these resources to silence us, it's because our sharing is so powerful. And every time we share and speak up in our conflicts, it... It is threatening to the systems at large, and no amount of violence is more powerful than our words. It reminds me of this um, this saying. It's like this Arabic saying that's like, "Women lam yamut bi mat 
Mutaaddidat or something like that. I don't know. But he who doesn't die by a sword will still die for another reason. Meaning, if you don't die, if you don't live your life defending what is sacred, you're still going to die regardless. It's like when Audre Lorde said, I was going to die sooner or later, whether or not I had spoken myself. My silences had not protected me. So even when your voice keeps getting met with resistance, it's, it's the portal to your healing. Our healing, all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. It's that's so resonant. It's like, um, it's like they're operating under this belief that they can have power mm-hmm. over us. All the memory of the ancestors, the the sheer amount of destruction these forces have caused on earth the 13,000 prisoners in Sydney who were tortured and lost the murdered the disappeared all the animals everyone but all those things are on our side too and we can always call on them I think about how mom loves to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi and how even when Darth Vader I mean and he voluntarily gives himself to death but he puts down his saber and Vader um you know, deals him a fatal blow, but he, his power lives beyond his body for generations Mm. and can never be destroyed. Mm. And so while you may die by that sword, some, some element of your power lives on in other people forever. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what all of this is about is, Making sure we keep that alive, and we we respect and honor our mm. our ancestors, living and dead, when we speak up on the side of justice and just speak up on the side of creative expression and truth. And us as people who have been wounded by people who have tried to exert false power over us, also need to remember that, like between and among each other being our dual selves our biggest most powerful and like creative expressive selves can't take away from other people's expression and no one can take our expression away because mm-hmm. allahu akbar <laughs> like there is something so much greater there's always more space for all of us there's a world in which many worlds are possible mm. as the zapatistas say there is always space to speak and there's there's parallel realities that we can access where these violences don't happen. I've seen them in my dreams, future visions where things may not be how we think at all, but they still become a different reality. And we even time traveled to this reality, you know, and it's like we're, we're capable of making that jump again. We need to get someone on this podcast who knows about quantum physics because this stuff is not even just true on a spiritual level, but also like mm-hmm. scientific. Well, I think our indigenous <laughs> scientists, which are our grandmothers and, you know, our goddesses, cosmologies and our, our religious, all those things have taught us that through dream time and meditation, it is possible to access and create a new reality. Okay, I had this weird dream with Kim Kardashian, basically. <laughs> Where she was like, 
Mm. Time travel is possible. It's through the creation of your narrative and the way that you frame it. And think about what we do on reality TV. We create a completely different reality by splicing together our voices in a way that tells the story that actually reframes what happened and like is <laughs> creating its own little world, like meta reality in itself. I know, right? Damn, I was Kim. Like, Dang. <laughs> Preach. Um what was I going to say? And it's also not like, it's like also for us to be aware and gentle with each other when we are, when we are like framing our stories too, mm-hmm. you know, like, because the way that the Kardashians do it is also like very, um, it's mm-hmm. extractive. So like to just be aware of not replicating those extractive power models in our own mm-hmm. expressions of power through practices that re- like constantly humble us yeah. should i read a poem yeah thanks sis it actually has to do with time travel um because of my theory of diaspora that there's an imprint of you in the places of your origin and it's for my friend hala h-a-l-l-a Barakat. When you are displaced, your spirit enters into the place where you are born and the place where you could have been, would have been, had your roots not been ripped from the earth, it is sick, swallowed, unholy, unspoken about ever again, but in your blood, in your fingernails, in your hair, they cut off my tail, split my tongue in two told me that the serpent on my belly was a hallucination. But I only grew taller, yearned for love harder, learned to be softer, bloomed again and again in spite of it all. Hala. Old soul sister, I met you when we were 17. You more fearless than me. You told me to dream the biggest dream. Every silence cuts our tongue. This tune we hum is so familiar. It reminds me of all my siblings, brown and black, who I want back. Freedom's many children, we are the ones who fight back. Who this system is so afraid of. It makes them pick up their knives, their guns, slit our throats, strangle us. My revolution, sister. You taught us to consider exactly who it is we want to become. That freedom with no laughter only leads to more and more massacre. That the love between women is a transformation itself stronger than the most violent weapons. And that a movement with nothing that moves you is useless. My revolution sister, Your soft voice could make empires fall, walls crumble. You showed us how to make the ground dance open again with the sweet and lovely sounds of laughter. How to conjure hope. How to never, ever forget our vast possibilities. Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad we worked through everything. Thanks, love you. I mean, let's be real. We haven't worked through everything, but we're working working on on it. it. (laughs) Love you so much. (laughs) 